Let's get straight to the callers. Who do we have today? All right. First up, we have a uh, we have a woman who's calling in with this question. For years, I have been in love with an abusive man. No matter what he says or does, I find myself still deeply enamored. This toxic pattern is killing me inside. I want to take an honest look at my thought process to understand why I am so bonded to my abuser. Having a family is something I long for, but he's the only man I want to have children with. How do I break the spell, accept reality, and allow myself to move on? Well, that is a great question. And I really, of course, appreciate the directness and the honesty and the courage that it takes to bring something like this up. Do you want to give us a bit more of what you find abusive and what's going on in the current relationship? Uh, hi, Steph. Um, well, I guess from the beginning, it's always been a hot and cold kind of relationship. Um, he tends to be overall a moody person. Um, it's kind of just difficult. It's It started off just kind of a subtle thing, but then basically every single thing I do is wrong. All of my behaviors are wrong. I do this too much. I put this in the refrigerator the wrong way. Um, actual name calling, um, just kind of having no regard for my um, well-being or what I want. Um, I've never really received an apology for anything. And he kind of just, I think, pushes all my buttons to get a reaction to then say that it's my fault for like if i react to it kind of like a troll almost right yeah he does troll he does he i mean i've definitely after i kind of took a step back and looked at my own behavior to see like you know like what am i doing like to add to this shit storm i realized that he purposefully does say things to piss me off too you know right right and how long have you guys been together well, that's like kind of a complicated thing. We met a few years ago at work and, you know, I really just fell for him immediately. And um, it was like he never really wanted to commit to me for quite a while, though, while we were dating. Um, this is about four years ago. And finally he did. But he, then, you know, his behavior once he was committed was even worse, more abusive. Um. Anyway, um, he kind of savagely dumped me, and then he moved away to another state. And for years, I just kind of, you know, had it in the back of my mind. Like, what did I do wrong? I missed him. I still had feelings. You know, I tried to date other guys, but I always compared them to him. And then I just kind of reached out when I felt like I was at a point where I had my life together in a way that, you know, because the whole time I was pretty much blaming the failure of the relationship on myself without really taking a deeper look at his behavior, what he's doing to, you know, add to the dynamic. So um, I texted him on a whim about a year and a half ago, and then we were dating long distance, but it still had that really shitty, toxic hot, cold, you know, kind of dynamic going on. And it really blew up recently. So now I'm just, you know, at a crossroads and not sure how to feel. 
And how old are you? 32. Wow. So this has taken, this has taken some real time out of your life, right? Yep. And that's always um, a concern that I have too, you know? I mean, I did try to date other guys and they turned out to be kind of assholes too. And a lot of other guys I find to just, you know, be pretty boring. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, how, and how long have you listened? I just sort of ask this because it's helpful for me to know mm-hmm. um, how fast I should go. But um, how long have you mm-hmm. listened to this show before? Um, about four years. Oh, okay. So you, you probably know my next question, right? Um, maybe. I don't know. I, haven't, <laughs> I, I go on uh, free domain binges and then after a while I'm like, oh, I need a break. So. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Um, well, how long have you been, um, how long have you been, uh, sorry, how, how was, how was your childhood? What sort of happened with your childhood? Um, well, um, I grew up in a pretty, um, emotionally unstable household. Um, you know, I never went hungry. I didn't, you know, I never went without the basic necessities that I would need. Um, when there was a true middle class, you know, we we're middle class. Like my mom was a teacher. My dad worked in food service, you know, it was like never went without anything I needed. However, um, my mother is very mentally ill and, um, yeah, my childhood was a lot of screaming, um, a lot of drama. Um, it's pretty rough and she's recently trying to, uh, kind of dead gaslight me about it now, which is interesting uh, tactic that she's doing in her older years. But... Right. Can you tell me a little bit more about the mental illness, how that manifested and what it did? Um, well, she, she goes, you know, when people are really ill, I've noticed that they don't actively seek help the way that they should. So she bounced in and out of different therapist and one would piss her off and she'd never go back to that one and and then she'd go to one like hand-holding ineffective one and she was on a lot of medication all different kinds of medication I mean I watched her like withdrawing on the couch off of like you know antidepressants um stuff like that um she basically um still has problems but the medication she's on is better she has very rapid mood swings um she personalizes everything and thinks everyone is trying to fight with her so as a child maybe we'd be in a store and someone would say something that a normal person wouldn't find offensive and she'd scream at the person and you know make a scene in the store um she would make a scene or she just she would break things she would scream at me for just things she interpreted as slights against her um she i mean before this conversation i was just texting a friend about it like remember when my mom slapped the shit out of me before the confirmation retreat we went to you know like and you know it was just because she's trying to now say like i was always a good mother and you know it's just like no you really weren't you know, and, and the the hang on, I mean, you you've listened to this for a while. So, what's mm-hmm. the story with like laughing about this stuff? Are you trying to invite me into like this was kind of fun and cool and an odd adventure, like a safari? Oh, I don't, I don't even think I was aware I was laughing. I think I'm trying to just kind of keep my um, self from getting like um, overly emotional. So, why I, I are you trying to realize... keep yourself from getting overly emotional? Um, 
because I just feel kind of um, lame if I were to just be sobbing at you, you know, trying to keep and my head why straight. Why would that be lame? Or maybe, um, I don't think that I'm laughing. It could be that I'm trying to keep the cadence of my voice together because I'm, I don't know. I just feel like crying is weak. Why is crying weak? I don't really have a good answer for that. Because it's not. I mean, our emotions are there to help us, right? We don't develop uh, emotions uh, over the course of our sort of evolution. We haven't developed yeah. emotions because, uh, you know, they're, they're bad for us, right? Yeah, I don't think it was actually, like, laughing. I think it, I was just trying to keep my the cadence of my voice even. Okay, yeah, no, and I get that, and I appreciate that, yeah. but I guess my question is, why would you want to do that? Because you're suffering an enormous amount at the hands of this man, right? Yeah. And you suffered an enormous amount at the hands of your mother and your father, and also of a general culture that participates in this kind of, not even just minimization, but outright reversal of what actually goes on in these kinds of households. I mean, it's a bloody terrifying existence to live with mentally ill people, especially yeah. when that mental illness isn't just like they see visions and, you know, or they have pathological altruism and spend all their time helping people. But when it's crazy, nasty, manipulative, emotionally abusive, sometimes violent intrusion into the hearts and minds of children, that is some terrifying stuff. That is some terrifying <laughs> stuff. And we do live in a culture. I mean, it's really sad, right? It's pathetic, really. But we do live yeah. in a culture which minimizes it, particularly, of course, if it's a woman who's doing it. And so I guess I just wanted to make sure I understood where you were coming from, because if you've absorbed this culture that, you know, crying over legitimately horrible and sad things is somehow weak, I think that's, um, I mean, that's not really going to serve you very well, I think, in life. And I think that's one of the reasons why you are in this situation is you have a habit of minimizing your pain. And so when you're being abused by this guy, then that's kind of minimized it as well, right? I mean, that's, that's I think, one of the reasons why this stuff goes on. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I thought it would, I just wanted to keep it together and, you know, just try to, you know, <sighs> seem reasonable. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a really, it was a really rough, it was a rough childhood. It was a rough childhood. So, do you have siblings? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm an only child. Uh, yeah, that also has its own challenges too, right? Yeah, I mean, my dad has since apologized and come, you know, I think he really developed a lot since they've um, been divorced. But I mean, it would be this triangulation and they, you know, I, I'd, I'd be getting it from both of them and she'd go nuts and then just drive him into insanity and then just all these crazy, unnecessary, dramatic you know, and it would, you would never know when the other shoe was going to fall, you know, it just, you wouldn't know what would be, um, you wouldn't know what would upset her, anything could, something could be funny one day, the next day, it's, um, you know, horrible, you know, the tone of my voice somehow could be incorrect, like, just, just really messed up stuff, and as a kid, you just, you know, it's so confusing. Right, right. <laughs> 
was she able to restrain her bad behavior in the presence of others? Um, occasionally, but I mean, um, I just kind of mentioned it earlier, like she was just slapping me in the car in front of my best friend before we were supposed to go somewhere. Um, her best friends have reached out to me sometimes with sympathy, you know, saying like, you know, I'm sorry that your mom is like this and, you know, she, she does love you, but she's troubled, you know. Right. Uh, so those people weren't enough to challenge her. My question, I guess, is did she ever hit you in front of, say, a teacher or a police officer or a security guard or anyone who would have actually had some authority over her? No. Well, look at that. She's not crazy. <laughs> look at that. She's able to calculate. She is yeah. able to calculate what's in her best interest in the moment, and she is able to put on a great mask of sanity, which means she's not crazy. Listen, if you've ever been around really, really crazy people, like people who, ha who think that they're Jesus, or people who think they can walk through walls, or people who believe the clouds are talking to them, I mean, they'll go straight up to a cop and say, yeah, this is what's happening. Man, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. People who are have, like, people whose mental illness is, I mean, biochemical in nature, or they got a brain tumor or something, like people who, like, they're seriously crazy, and they can't control it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I generally, just to share a sort of minor thesis with you, I guess it's not really that minor, but a thesis with you. The phrase mental illness is to me, generally, invented by evil people to manipulate good people. And this is not to say that there are not genuine mental illnesses. There are you know, people who've got uh, you know, uh, Alzheimer's, or people who've got schizophrenia, people who've got, although schizophrenia is also pretty well treated uh, by uh, social cues as well, but you know, people who've got a brain tumor, people who have had uh, brain injuries, uh, concussions, and so on, yeah, those people have genuine brain ailments, genuine brain illnesses, and I think are deserving of our, our sympathy, right? But illness is something that evokes in us a significant amount of sympathy. Of course, it should, right? Particularly illness that is not caused by the behavior of the person. So, you know, Andy Kaufman gets lung cancer, guy wasn't even a smoker. Man, that sucks. You know, huge, huge amount of sympathy for ye old man on the moon, right? A smoker who ends up getting lung cancer or COPD or emphysema or something like that, you know, it's like, yeah, there's some sympathy for sure. Like, gosh, it's sad to see you suffer. But it's not like this is a bolt out of a bolt of lightning out of a clear blue sky, right? So I believe in general that what we call mental illness is simply a giant manipulative scam and a smokescreen designed by evildoers to escape responsibility for their own actions. In other words, if confronted on the immorality, the dysfunction, the brutality of what they did, they say, well, I'm mentally ill, you see. Mm -hmm. Or She's it's done for that. others. Or if it's for other people too. See, other, sorry to inter uh, interrupt, but other people love this as well. Because when your mother treats you in a brutal, dysfunctional, and abusive manner, people can say, 
oh, but your mother's not quite all there. You know, she's got her issues. She's got her problems. She's mentally ill. She's, you know, she's, she's clearly, you know, whatever, dysfunctional and so on, right? And all of these are horrifying moral annulments of a rational evaluation of her actions. So I don't know if this is a story that has been told in your environment. It certainly was told in my environment. You know, when I got older and I could have sort of escaped my mom and so on. I mean, the number of people who just go, oh, yeah, but your mother is troubled. Yes, your mother has had, she suffered a lot. And, you know, they, they portray her as a victim, right? Mm-hmm. But she's not. Well, you could say she's now a victim of her own immorality. Well, okay. But she never got caught. And people who never get caught aren't crazy. You understand? Mm-hmm. People who never get caught aren't crazy. You know, that's, that's one of the ways you know. Someone can't plead the insanity defense if, you know, he plotted ahead of time for the crime. He made sure he wasn't caught. He buried the bodies. He, you know, <laughs> covered up the tracks. Mm-hmm. He intimidated the witnesses. This is all... I don't want to get caught. So to me, mental illness is the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card where people say, yeah, I was a son of a bitch, or I was a bitch, or I was evil, or I was monstrous, or I was abusive, or dysfunctional. But it's okay because I've got this get-out-of-jail-free card called mental illness. And it's true that people do end up pretty dysfunctional if they act in an immoral or brutal way for many years. Yeah, they do. So what? doesn't mean that they didn't choose it doesn't mean they didn't cause it in the same way that somebody who doesn't exercise who smokes like a chimney eats like a pig yeah they're not going to live usually to be very old i'm suffering from obesity okay yes you are but these are the results in general of choice so i'm guessing that you live in a profoundly unsympathetic environment when no one has taken your side and said, my God, you suffered, young lady. You suffered uh, a lot, and you suffered not just from the dysfunction within the household, but the dysfunction in the environment. Because I'll tell you this, man, crazy people scare the shit out of everyone. And by crazy, I mean evil, evil people scare the shit out of everyone. And when it comes to, do I confront an evildoer, or do I attempt to mollify his victim. 99.9% of people will choose to side with the abuser and mollify the victim. And what I mean by mollify is, you know, show some sympathy, but never ever draw that red line under the all caps scream fest of the abuser and never say, wow, what your mother did to you was absolutely immoral. She is an immoral person and you suffered a lot for that and I really sympathize. Why? Because... I don't mind being called by my proper name, but evildoers certainly do. If you say to an evildoer, you're doing evil, they hit the roof. They hit the roof, right? I mean, listen, all my teachers knew I was being abused, of course. I mean, I came to school hungry, my clothes were torn, uh, I was exhausted. I mean, everybody. And what did the teacher say to me? Well, the teacher said to me, well, you're clearly very intelligent, but you just don't apply yourself. If effort matched ability, you'd be an A+, right? They're just victim blamed, right? Why wasn't I doing as well on my tests as I sometimes could? Because I couldn't get any studying done because my mom would be sitting in my room smoking and typing crap till four four o'clock in the morning on a loud clackety-clack electric typewriter. I couldn't get any sleep. Couldn't study, screaming, dysfunction, hungry. 
you know, food in the house, had to hang around friends' places to try and get something to eat around dinner time. So, you know, I remember going over to a friend of mine's place in primary school, maybe grade six, maybe grade seven, and his father was a doctor. And I would, you know, play with his friend. And I, I did this, like, pretty much every day because there was nothing going on at my house. There was no food or anything. At least they had some snacks, right? And, you know, we'd have fun and all of that. And, but I remember we would draw pictures on a chalkboard down there. And I, draw, I drew pictures of, like, rotting heads with eyeballs hanging out and holes on the cheek and, and all, like, clearly communicating a huge amount of distress, right? And, of course, nobody ever, I mean, he saw this stuff, right? He'd come down and say, well, it's dinner time, so you're going to have to go which was always not what I wanted to hear, but they never actually once invited me for dinner. I did manage to catch dinners from other friends' places, but not, not there, right? And, you know, this guy's a doctor, and he's a smart, educated guy, sees a lot of suffering in his clinic, but he can't bring himself, because what's the path, right? What's the path if you start to go on a collision course with my mother? Well, you don't want to be the only person to stand up against an overwhelming enemy. If you get enough people to do it, then you can draw or maybe win but if it's just you right so then what happens is you you start asking questions what's going on at home how are you doing how are things right this is the guy who after i hit puberty had to sit me down and say you got to start wearing deodorant man because your body's changing and this that and the other right now why would i need to be told that why would i have no idea about basic self-care right well, because the home life was chaotic and abusive and so on uh, but what was his choice? Was he going to sit there and say to me and open up that can of worms, so to speak, and say, well, what's going on at home? I'd say, well, yeah, my mother's violent. She doesn't get out of bed. There's no food in the house. Um, I have to uh, sometimes not eat for a day or two until I get paid uh, for my job and I'm not getting any sleep and, you know, just bad things bad things. It's a, a very unsustainable environment. So let's say he asks that question, well, then what? Then what? What's he going to do? Is he going to go and talk to my mother? Well, what happens if he goes and tries to talk to my mother? Well, he says, gosh, well, I can't just yank the kid out of the environment. Maybe she's going to beat him half to death for telling. Or maybe, um, just maybe, she'll uh, launch a complaint against my regulatory body. And uh, I'll have to defend myself for years. So, I mean, it's a, it's a delicate balance, right, for, for a lot of people, because it's not like a moral thing, right? And so I'm sort of saying this not to make this about me, but to sort of point out, I mean, when I, I thought about this just this week, because, you know, my father died, and I was thinking about my last reasonably significant interactions with him about 20 years ago, when I told him the violence that my mother had enacted, the brutality I experienced as a child, now, why didn't he call me? Why didn't he ask me? Why didn't he get into more detail? Why didn't he apologize? Why didn't he? Well, you know, partly because he didn't want to feel bad. And I get that. I think avoiding that made him feel worse. But what the hell? I mean, that's, that's the decision he made. And that decision is now dust. But let's say he did call me and he did find out the facts. Now, I was an adult, of course, at this point. I was in my 30s. And so it wasn't like he was going to get anything uh, from you know, child support or anything like that. But 
he doesn't know the status of my relationship with my mother in any particular detail. And let's say he did call me up and give me sympathy and ask me questions and you know, express his regret and you know, things that actually would have been helpful and positive and useful for me. Well, he doesn't know if a year from now I blurt out to my mother, you know, well, dad knows and he sides with me and this, that and the other. And then what happens? Well, he starts to get phone calls, he starts to get letters, he starts to get threats, he starts to get, like, all this blows up, right? Even though everyone involved is now an adult. And that's what I mean when I say, like, these really nasty people, they terrify people. Because they can make your life quite difficult. And because they can make your life quite difficult and they're willing to go to the wall and do whatever it takes to win, 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 people steer clear of them. And then they have a problem because they want, to, they want to steer clear of the evildoers. But if the evildoers in the family, they can't. So what do they do? Well, what they do is they may express some sympathy, but they sure as hell don't want to step on the landmine of the abusive person's personality. Because then that abusive person may start spreading rumors, may start lying about them, mm-hmm. may start causing trouble. Could go all mm-hmm. the way to accusing them of crimes. Could go all the way to who knows what, right? Once people get that feral, once they get that abusive, it's very tough to uh, deal with them in any reasonable way. I mean, I haven't found any particular solution other than get the hell out of Dodge, which has worked for me in in, in great ways. But it's tough for people to do that because there's this cult of the family thing where no matter how badly people treat you or treat others or treat children, they're family. And you do for family, right? So... The people around you have a problem, right? So they don't want to admit, I'm a moral coward who is going to steer clear of an abusive person because I'm terrified of the harm they could do to my life. Or if I draw that line about abusive versus loving behavior, then I'm going to have to change my own behavior, or maybe I'm going to have to confront my own husband or my own wife or my own parents or my aunt or my uncle or myself, for that matter, right? So how do people deal with this cognitive dissonance? of, well, there's an evildoer, particularly an evildoer who's doing evil to children in the environment. I don't want to sit there and say, yeah, well, evildoers run the world because they're willing to go to extremes of attack that other people won't. And so I'm just going to uh, close my eyes, look the other way. And then it's very tough to live with yourself if you're that baldly honest with yourself about your conformity, your appeasement, your cowardice, and so on. And so what do people do? They say, well, the evildoer is not responsible for her actions in some manner. Now, in the past, what they did was they said, well, you see, the devil has got a hold of this woman. She listened to the devil's temptation, so it's really the devil's fault. I mean, maybe she was a little bit weak, but you hate the sin, not the sinner. And, you know, there's still a pure soul in there somewhere, and... She was weak, and you know, but the devil, the devil made her do it, right? It's in general the way that they would deal with this in the past. Now, in the more secular context, you can't sit there and say to most people in this modern scientific universe, we can't sit there and say, ah, but it was the devil who tempted her and the devil who made her do this, that, and the other. But you still can't ascribe full responsibility to people because then if you do, then you have to take action and sympathize with the victims and all this, that, and the other, right? So what you do is now you create this new cause of the evil doing. It's not the devil, it's mental illness, you see. Or childhood trauma, or this, that, or the other, right? Now, 
just to finish this off, and I, I don't mean to overswamp your experience, and I, I have, I'm still fully committed to getting your history and helping you with this and all that, but I just really want you to, to sort of see this clearly, because this is why you were trying to invite me into humor regarding these, uh, these terrible situations. So what happens is they invent this new devil called mental illness, which strips away responsibility from the evildoer, allows you to express some sympathy for the victim, but never puts you in a collision course with the evildoer because you've taken away their free will because they have this mental illness. Now, you don't argue someone into becoming taller or shorter or changing their eye color or whatever it is. And in the same way, the moment you put that magic phrase mental illness on evildoers, then you no longer have to confront them. In fact, it would be cruel to confront them. It would be like talking, trying to talk someone out of having epileptic attacks. It would be ridiculous, right? So you can express some sympathy. Um, you can feel like a good person, that you're there to help, but you don't ever have to confront the evildoer because you've ascribed their evildoing to the completely different moral category of illness. And that's because we have a very tough time understanding evil from a philosophical perspective, that uh, people just choose to hurt others, to gain immediate relief. They know that what they're doing is wrong. They choose not to stop it. It escalates. The habit strengthens. The capacity to resist the habit weakens, and things just get worse and worse and worse. And that is what happens to people. It is a choice. And that's why I ask, did she abuse people in front of others? And if they didn't, then they have control over their behavior. And then, of course, the mystery is, well, why would they do? Why would they hurt people? Why would they do what they do? And so on. Well, you know, to answer that question, we have to ask a parallel question that's directly related to your situation, which is why are you doing things that are yourself, right? Because, I mean, it's one thing to hurt others. It's another thing to hurt yourself. And the last thing I wanted to mention before we get back into your history is that people say... Well, if you do anything wrong, it's because of mental illness, and that's why I'm not going to confront the person because they can't really help themselves, this, that, and the other, right? In other words, there's this principle which says that human beings are not responsible for their negative actions, and therefore no confrontation, no punishment, no moral stand is ever appropriate. But of course, if that's true, then it's true all the more so for children. If you sort of... <laughs> Children have the mental illness called immaturity, so to speak, right? And so if it's true that we should never correct or confront or punish evildoers because they're not really evil, they don't really have much control over what they do, they've got this thing called mental illness, their brain is deficient and, you know, they suffered and all that, well, then why was it when your mother was punishing you or your father was punishing you, why didn't people say, hey, come on, no, these kids, you know, you can't punish them, they're not responsible for what they do. But later, when you say, mm, my parents did wrong for me, they say, oh, no, no, your parents aren't responsible for what they do. It's like, well, where the hell were you when I was being yelled at or hit, punished? Where were you riding in on your white horse of determinism to say to my parents, you can't punish those kids. They're not responsible for what they do. They're only children. Well, you see, but the children are the ones who get full moral autonomy and full moral responsibility. But the parents who hit them, who beat them, who abuse them, who rape them, well, those people are just suffering from mental illness and have no capacity to control their actions. It's all total bullshit. And I just want to take away this smokescreen of self-regard from people. So, sorry for that long explication, but I just really wanted to sort of point out 
seems to me that the environment that you're dealing with. Well, you're not dealing with that environment here. I name the names. I, I stand, right, for you, for your right to a peaceful and nonviolent childhood. And I stand against the people. So your mother does what she can get away with. Your mother does what she can get away with. Many years ago, gosh, a long year, 12, 13 years ago, uh, the media first came after me for saying to adult people that they didn't have to spend time in abusive relationships. And it was kind of a shock for me because it didn't seem to me that controversial uh, perspective. It still doesn't seem to me that controversial a perspective with regards to morality. But uh, it took me a while to figure this out, that my mother understood the world a lot better than I did. That my mother was wise to the ways of the world in a way that I was a naive fool about. My mother understood that she could do what she did to me because nobody was going to call her on it. And if I tried to call her on it publicly, everybody would side with her and attack me. Or not everybody, but most people would. And so the abuse that occurred to you is not just your mother. It is... It's sort of like if your mother wants to rob a bank and she's part of a gang and what that gang does is they go ahead of her and they disable the security cameras and they disable the alarm system and they pick the lock on the safe and they lure away security guards, right? And then your mother's like, well, the safe's open. There's no security cameras. There's no witnesses. I'm just going to go in and take stuff. She said, oh, my mother was a bank robber. Yeah, kind of, but she was only a bank robber because everybody else enabled her and facilitated her robbery. She wouldn't have been a bank robber if the security cameras hadn't been disabled, if the guys hadn't been lured away, if the lock hadn't been picked to the safe. So looking at the abuse that your mother perpetrated against you or your father perpetrated against you, it's not a solo thing. It's not a solo thing. My mother understood very clearly that no one was going to help me. And Furthermore, she understood that even when I got older, if I were to tell the truth, everybody would side with her and diminish me. That she was part of a gang. She was part of a criminal gang that included just about everyone. People in my family, teachers, camp counselors, friends, friends' parents, priests, administrators, principals, or uh, people in my apartment building who could hear the screams and the beatings and all that. My mother was part of a gang that includes just about everyone. And she understood that in a way that I didn't. Now, I couldn't really understand that because I wouldn't have bothered making it to adulthood if I was just going to go from one asylum to another, from one hellscape to another. So I kind of needed to believe that there was a sane world out there full of good people who would help me when I got free. And if it wasn't for this community and for a few of the people in my life now, well, all of the people in my life now, I would have given up on that belief. But it's important to understand this is why you're laughing about it and this is why you want me to, you're inviting me to laugh about it because it's a fundamental test. Are you in the criminal gang? Are you in the organized crime syndicate of child abuse? If you are, then you'll join me in laughing about it. If you're not, then you'll say, why are you laughing? This is terrible. Does that make any sense? 
Yeah, and I maybe it was unconscious, but I I mean I don't recall laughing. I mean I don't know. Maybe I really did laugh. But well, I the good thing is we have it recorded, so you can yeah, cause go I back really and, and hear it. Yeah, because I'm not sure. I'm like, I, if I did, maybe I did do that. But like, I basically was trying to control myself from sobbing like um, a hysterical person when I first. Well, wait, just, wait, wait. Why is sobbing hysterical? Um, I guess because I've never been able to freely have my own feelings. Yeah, yeah I did laugh. You're right. <laughs> um, you feel it now, I was right? Never, yep, I just did it. Yeah, you I feel was that not little aware giggle was, coming up, right? Yep, I was not aware that I, yeah, I guess I did do it beginning right um but and it's not you understand i'm not criticizing it at all oh i I sympathize with it it doesn't mean i'm going to enable the behavior but i hugely Mm -hmm. sympathize with that and and i'm not criticizing you you've done Mm -hmm. nothing wrong at all i'm just yeah it's important to know though that you know i mean what what you're right though that is an important um thing to realize really yeah because the people Um, who will join you in that laughter they're in the crime gang now i'm not in the crime gang so i won't mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's crazy that I've probably expressed this to other people and, you know, laughed about it too. Um, but I was not um, ever able to um, have my own difference of opinion. Um, just as a kid, like, kids say things, and if it was in any way um, oppositional or perceived to be um, against what she thought or, you know, um, it would just automatically turn into a crazy, um, you know, my neighbors, I don't even know what they thought, but, um, crazy battle. And, um, then, you know, I would get upset. I would cry. And then, um, she would berate me for crying. Right. Well, of course. And say that it was, they were crocodile tears is what she would say. Right. Right. So because she's such a manipulative person and, experiences no genuine emotion she cannot conceive of your emotion being genuine in other words everything that she does is designed to manipulate and control and bully and therefore if you're crying it can't be because you're actually upset or hurt or frightened it can only be because you wish to do something to control her to manipulate her to bully her by expressing a pretend emotion right yeah. Um, and as a child, just not having, you know, I mean, I feel like even now in my 30s, I'm still developing an awareness of the world of people and of things. And it's just so confusing and disorienting to, you know, you have no real cognizance of what's happening. And to just, you know, have someone abusing you in that way is just, you know, it's pretty terrible to do to someone. It is. It is terrible. It is, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that this was your experience for so many years and that this was the environment that continues into your 30s mm-hmm. that doesn't point out the basic and obvious fact that you suffered enormously as a child based upon the behaviors of adults who knew better. How do we know they knew better? But Because they didn't do it in front of authority figures. They knew. All right, that's evil. Evil is when you know what the good is and you can imitate the good. But. I could really relate to how you were saying that your mother would turn um, all the other people against you in some kind of manner. At least that's how I interpreted kind of what you were saying. No, and she that's... knew that they would know. She knew that she didn't sit there and try and turn them against me like like some mm. conscious plotted plan. I mean, she just knew. She just knew that she could beat up her children in 
a crowded apartment building with paper-thin walls and nobody would ever call the cops. Nobody would ever call, right? Now, she could call the cops, which she did on me a couple of times, right? When I would fight back and uh, try to defend myself. Oh, mm-hmm. right? She called the cops. I remember being lectured by some cop that, you know, we have here is a generational differences. No. No, we don't. Mm. You cowardly piece of shit. No, we don't. Oh, we have I someone see. who's a child who can't do you any harm, and you're siding with the abuser against the child, and you're not asking me any questions as to why I'm cowering and crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would put on a mask for all these other people yeah. and put herself on a pedestal like, I got my daughter, she's in Catholic school, she does this, you know, you know, I do all these things. But then at the end of the day, if she wasn't raging out on me, she would be neglecting me and on the internet for, you know, the entire evening. Right, right. Right, and so your emotional preferences are almost always an inconvenience to her, unless they simply happen to match her emotional preferences in the moment, right? Yes. So your emotional preferences, if you're crying because you're hurt, of course she's going to accuse you of crocodile tears. She doesn't experience any genuine emotions. It's all for manipulation. So, of course, you're trying to manipulate her and make her feel bad and so on, right? Plus, you know, there probably is some residual conscience deep down there that says, well, if you actually genuinely accept that you're making your child suffer, then you probably should change your behavior. But she didn't want to do that because the angry pride has taken over and, right, it's the result of all the prior decisions and so on, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lack of sympathy. So you're used now to managing... Yeah, so I'm... you're used to managing chaos, right? This is what you yes. did. What you did as a child is you're used to managing chaos, right? So when you're with mm-hmm. a normal, healthy person, you're bored. Mm. Because you're, you're, let me put it to you another way. Mm. Your only sense of efficacy and control of having any kind of control of your environment is to manage crazy people. Like you couldn't control your mother but you could try to manage her and try and control her behavior and try and influence or manipulate her in a way. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like mm-hmm. It's like throwing a, throwing a piece of meat on the side of a dog about to attack you is not you know, <laughs> kind of manip- manipulative, but who, not bad, right? It's good, right? Mm-hmm. It's good. Keep you alive. So with regards to your mother, and I don't know if you've read this analogy I could call it Simon the Boxer. It's from real-time relationships. So some guy who's getting beat up all the time as a kid, well, all he can't control getting beat up, but, but he sure as hell can control his feelings about being beaten up. Like, you're never going to make me cry. I'm, ne- you know, I'm never going to back down. He can't control being beaten up, but he can control his feelings about being beaten up. And so what happens as an adult is that when he's not being beaten up, he feels out of control because he's just used to controlling his responses to violence. So when he's not being beaten up, that's when he feels out of control. And so in order to maintain a sense of control over his own emotions, over his own life, he has to continually put himself into a position of danger, a position of physical violence. And so he becomes a boxer. Because if he has a normal job, he feels great anxiety and terror. He feels out of control. But when he's facing someone who wants to hit him, that's familiar. He knows how to deal with that, and he feels in control. You're used to managing chaos, I believe. And so you've got this guy who recreates the chaos and the neglect and the abuse that you suffered. 
from your parents. And you're drawn to it, of course. I mean, that's what they call repetition compulsion, right? And it's not because you just want to hurt yourself or it's nothing. I mean, that's just nonsense. And that's another way of just making you the bad guy in this equation. You know, if I, uh, if I go to a, live in a Japanese village and there's only three other people there who speak English, I don't speak Japanese, who am I going to be drawn to? People whose language I speak. Right? I'm going to be drawn into situations where people speak my language. And your language, unfortunately, the language you were trained in, is, is a chaos and rejection and all of that, right? And so this guy, he's the only guy in the village who speaks your language. Hello, are we cut off? Uh, no, can you hear me? Oh, now I can. That was weird. It just dropped. <laughs> I don't know. It always seems to be, some, it almost feels like someone with their finger on the button. But anyway, <laughs> I was just saying that you, you know, he, he speaks, he brings to you the same conversation of chaos and rejection and abuse. And that's the language that you were taught as a child. So it's natural you'd be drawn to someone who speaks your language, so to speak. Mm -hmm. How pretty is he? He's pretty pretty. He's like a seven, eight. And what are you? A nine. So you're down. I'm sorry to be the laugh because it's a serious topic, but you're downgrading to the abuser. I'm I'm downgrading. Yeah, in okay. terms of looks. Oh, because he. Well, I mean, we're close. I think I'm a little bit better looking than him, but he's good looking. No, I get it. I get it. Oh. But um, but it's not like you're a a four who's trying to upgrade to an eight by accepting. Being a verbal no. punching bag, right? No. Right, okay. I remember this too. I remember a woman I worked with many years ago who just, I mean, she was an attractive woman and she, she just had a kind of a scuzz-bad looking husband. And she ended up divorcing him and I was just like, what the what? And again, I'm not, I'm not putting you in the same category, but I just remember being <laughs> like, have you not looked in the mirror? Do you know you could get a better person or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So, when you say that you love him, I guess mm -hmm. I need to understand what your definition of love is. So it's a pretty powerful word, right? If you tell someone you love them, mm -hmm. it's pretty tough to walk away from love, right? So, what's your definition of love that applies in this? Um, when I think about how I love him... In my mind, it's that I, how do I, it's hard to articulate, hold on a minute. It's that I just want to make sure that he is taken care of, that all of his needs are met, that just, um, I guess, it's a, really about his happiness. Like, I have a deep desire to just make him feel loved taking care of and you know happy i guess i don't know if that's what love is but that's i guess what comes to mind when i think about him well of course it's certainly love is involved with wanting to make people happy but making people happy is not necessarily a virtue i'm sure you know right mm -hmm. if somebody was a drug addict then getting them drugs would make them happy right mm -hmm. so 
what is it that makes him happy? Um, this, well, I guess I'll just say it how it, I feel that he, to have control over someone else, I think is what makes him happy when I really uh, zoom out and think about it. Because I could be like, oh, well, you know, having someone tidy up his house or this or, you know, like, but it's really just having someone who's at his beck and call is what makes him happy when I really think about it, honestly. And uh, how would that describe your mother? Um, I mean, you're really of no use to her unless you're like at 100%, you know, like... You have to just meet her at every demand. I mean, there's no such thing as a compromise, I guess, with either of them. And we haven't talked much about your father. Can you tell me a bit more about him? Sure. Um, had a pretty good relationship, but I still do. Um, I talk to my dad um, a lot. Um, text, call. Um, he's really supportive now um, as he gets older and realizes you know, he's even said, I wish that so-and-so was your mother instead. You know, he realizes a lot um, now. Um, he and I didn't really fight um, or, you know, unless my mom kind of stirred the agitate. And, you know, he's responsible for his own actions and he knows it. But, you know, she would stir him up. She'd get him all wired up. But, um, yeah, I mean, we do things together. Mom has always been horribly jealous of my relationship with my dad. And she always tries to put him down to me and degrade him and say everything that's wrong with him. And she's always jealous that I have um, loving feelings for my dad. I'm sorry if, I, if you mentioned this earlier. Are they still together? Mm -hmm. No, they divorced. And it was not your typical kind of situation. Um, they both co-parented. So I would... While they were divorced, I would see both of my parents every day because my dad would like pick me up from school and he would still do things to help her for whatever reason. He would have food ready and stuff like that, um, you know, but he would live in a different residence. So I saw them both and we would do holidays together. They would still fight and there would still be dramatic um, things. Um, yeah, I'd see them fight a lot, too, as a kid. Um, but um yeah, we, we would do all holidays and stuff like that together. And why did they divorce? Um, well, um, I was an accident. Um, so they, my mom was teaching in Catholic school at the time that this occurred. And they decided, you know, let's get married. My mom was actually not really supposed to be able to conceive children, but that's another story anyway. Boy, if I had a dime for every story I heard about <laughs> she, that. She, she, you mean, don't I, need protection. I, I can't get. Oh, oh no, I guess I, mean, I can. That's, that's totally what happened. But I mean, yes, they went to a concert. That is what happened. However, she does have like, you know, precancerous cells. You know, she really, her sister has the same thing. Um, anyway. So they got married, and I don't know, um, it was always a weird dynamic because it wasn't really from love. It was like they both probably had, like, guilt, like we had to stay together. Then my dad started to fall in love with my mom, and it was very obvious that he loved and cared about her, even though she was abusing me and him. And... Okay, so wait, 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 hang on. Mm -hmm. So now you're saying that your mom la loved your abuser. Your, sorry, your dad loved your abuser, who was your mom. Yes. 
Does that seem a little odd to you? If we put the brakes on and just see what the car hit in this narrative journey? Mm, oh, yeah. I mean, that's yes, a problem, it does. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I... It, it, I mean, if well, there was a babysitter who hurt my child, and I said, oh, I love that babysitter. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, you know, if he hadn't recently... He apologized of it his own accord in recently, in the past couple of years. You know, not that it necessarily makes up for his mentality or mindset, but I didn't even say, provoke it, and he had considered it and thought about it and apologized on his own. And that's after you, you started know. listening to this show, right? Yes. Yeah, he probably sensed something coming. Yeah, I don't know. Um, once I kind of educated him on a little bit about different kind of personality disorders and stuff, it seemed that he had this um, epiphany and that he had been released from some kind of hell that he had been in. Like he had conclusions to reoccurring dreams, all this stuff. But I don't, he had some kind of big mental event after he really kind of looked into it deeper. Yeah, so I mean, certainly you didn't initiate the specific conversation, but you initiated the conversation as a whole. Yeah, I would say so. And good yeah. for him. I don't mean to diminish what he did. Like, good for him. Right. But yeah, I mean, you still, you still, you still, still. It wasn't completely of his own accord. Yeah, and he, he, he didn't. He wasn't perfect. I mean, there were, a, and I've forgiven him. There were a few instances where I, I got, you know, hurt. He like beat me a couple times, pretty bad. What? What do you mean, pretty badly? What? What happened? Um. Well, one time, <clears throat> sorry, I'm trying to, one time um, my mom had initiated some insane, um, nonsensical argument with me as a child, and she would call him while he was at work, which, you know, like, to just rile him up while he's at work, he's trying to work, she would just continuously call him because she can't handle an 11-year-old child, I mean, this is, like, ridiculous to think about as an adult, and he came home. And he came to my room, and just like any 11-year-old child, I said, leave me alone. You know, like, what, bratty, you know, like, in a, and I remember, he picked me up by my hair, I have very long hair, ponytail. I actually pissed my pants out of fear, and he, like, backhanded me so hard, I actually had to go to the hospital. Oh, my God. That's my, you, that's my daughter's age. Yeah. Did he, did you lose a tooth? Did you break, did your jaw get cracked? I mean, what happened um, at the hospital? It, um, pretty, fucked up my nose pretty bad. I had, um, some, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if it was caused by that necessarily, cause I, but I feel like I had sinus problems and maybe it exacerbated, um, things with that. Um, and he immediately just uh, cried after that happened because he grew up in a really abusive um, household. Oh, I'm so sorry. What a terrifying event. Did you pass out? No. I just remember, like, um, being in shock that that happened, you know. And I think what really kind of... Um, hurt the most was like my mom called up one of her friends who was a nurse and she's like what do we do now like you know because it's like none of no, us she's wanted... like how do we not go to jail yes and my yeah friend, how do you know, we cover this up 
and you know, so I had to lie, because, and what was the worst thing is that my dad and I loved um, to play catch and do baseball. He was always at all of my games and supporting me playing softball, and I had to lie and say that it was the softball. Oh my god. And it was just really kind of traumatic to even just say that because it was something that we did together, you know. Oh my god. And you said this happened more than once. Yeah, there was another time and I don't really know like what the hell his deal was, but I was with my neighbors next door and we went to the like the Walmart or whatever down the street and um we were being kids, just like goofing off. Like, I don't know, I didn't realize he had left the store or whatever. And, um, finally found his car. And he actually, he, you know, you mean my nose bleed again that time, too. That was the first time that that happened. And, uh, he smacked me. How old were you the, then? Probably like 10, younger than that. So maybe the first time it might have been 11. The second time he'd be like, I was in eighth grade. Maybe I was like 12 when the. This is like a couple years apart, so I definitely was like a kid. I can like like a photographic memory. I can like remember what I was wearing, like. Sure. <sighs> and what happened when you when he found you, or you found his car, right? And he didn't know where you were. Yeah, and then um, my friends and I got in the car, and then he like smacked me. And you bled from that. Yep. And I lied to my mom, and I said that the door. Um, the automatic door hit me at the store. Oh, God. And were there any other times that you can recall? Well, you would recall them if they, if they happened. Um, one time he hit me with a tent pole in, in my leg, but that wasn't, I don't know, like, I think he was, it was not like a, I don't know, it wasn't like intense. It was just like a whack because I was pretending that one of the other temples was like um, a phallus. So he hit me with another one. Hmm. Has he apologized for those things as well? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. That is that's terrifying, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, 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 I pissing your pants out of fear. I mean, I've never, you know, I've never done it since I like totally peed my pants when he grabbed me. Well, you also may have passed out for a moment, right? It's possible. I mean, it was like, I mean, I just couldn't believe that that could be happening. You know, it was like utter shock. Well, listen, a, a man, just so you know, right? I mean, a man hitting an 11-year-old child in the head as hard as he can, I assume it was pretty hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's oh, like six foot you, four. Yeah, he's that a can big give man. You, that can give you permanent brain damage. That can kill you. You say it's given you some some challenges with your uh, sinuses, your nose. I think so, yeah, because I yeah. had had problems prior to that, but I, I I would imagine it probably did do something. I mean, they had to do, you know, they had to put stuff in my eyes to make sure that none of my orbital bones or whatever had gone, you know, wacky, and they had to Jesus. do an X-ray of um, my face. I think I don't know. It's all kind of like. Um, and then, of course, in school, I had to figure out to find some kind of makeup to wear that would cover. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, black eye and bruises all over your face. and Yeah, I don't think I went to school the next day. 
Uh, I don't, yeah, it's hard to really recall, you know, but I, I, you know, I know I had to wear makeup to cover it up and everything. So, I mean, your dad's a criminal. Yeah. I mean, that's an important thing. You, I mean, I'm not, you know, have a relationship with them if you want, but just recognize that that's criminal child abuse. That's, I don't know if it's attempted murder. I don't know if it's uh, grievous bodily harm. I don't, I don't know, right? But to the point where they got to x-ray your orbital bones and you've had possibly permanent sinus damage and messed up your nose. And I mean, that's, I mean, people go to jail for years for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they, they do. do it to an adult, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, and then, yeah. And then they made you collude in the crime, right? Yes. Which is witness tampering. Yep. Wow. And how how old were you when they divorced? Um, I think officially I was 15, but they really didn't live um, in the same rooms um, from when I was 10 and beyond. And then on different occasions, um, my dad never really like had a pretty like steady, well-paying kind of job. So there were a couple times where he came back and he kind of like, almost like the teenager would like live in our attic or our basement or, you know, his own little weird apartment. So he never really had much of a career? No. He's kind of a loser that way, right? Um, yeah, he did try certain things and, you know, it's like, I hate to end it because I do love him, but, um, you know, he always kinds of blamed that, like, uh, my mom, that he wasn't able to do this or that. And, you know, in a certain, you know, there are many excuses and, you know, but. But that's what a loser is. A loser isn't someone who tries and fails. Well, we all do that, right? That's not a loser. Yeah. A loser is you know, someone who doesn't take ownership and learn. He had tried a couple different things, and then um, I think if it, you know, it didn't work out, he kind of just quit. I mean, now he is doing pretty well, you know, steady work and whatever. I mean, it's never high paying, but, um, you know. Well, now that he's no longer better. a dad when it counted, right? Yeah. But at least your mom got to get the that good old sweet government money, right? Uh, no. Oh, she quit teaching? Oh, um... Well, in the past couple years, I mean, the past couple years of my life have been kind of insane. There's been a lot of good things and bad things. And I've, you know, she was always, even though she's like, whatever, she's always been a workaholic. And in the past couple years, I've seen her just completely mentally unravel. And she can't hold a job. And she keeps quitting jobs. And it's almost, she's like envious that I have a career. And, you know, like, oh, yeah. and even though I'm, I'm very you know, but if I happen to have one luxury item or something, you know, she's jealous of it and she can barely pay her bills and makes really stupid financial decisions, really stupid decisions overall. Uh, she was recently in um, uh, temporarily like in the loony bin light a couple summers ago, you know, for like 20 day observation. Because it's not she like, you know, some sort of public meltdown or. She like was feeling um suicidal or something and she went to a hospital and then they're like, Oh, we're sucking you and then they kept she thought it was, she was going for like a night and they're like, No, we need to observe you for like two weeks. Hmm. 
and, and what, um, they just put her on meds and or what? Yeah, and so of course she doesn't try to get any kind of therapy to help herself. She instead um, just takes the drugs. Um, exactly what you were saying about mental illness as being an excuse for your behavior type of um, thing. Yeah, yeah. I completely I've got Yes, I completely related with that because she uses that as every excuse for every behavior that she does. It's yep. always the excuse. And then she tries to gaslight me and make me look like, you know, um, I have, you know, you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. She tries to turn it around. Um, but yeah, she doesn't take care of her mental health. And now she's really um, fucked with the virus and everything because you know, she doesn't even really have unemployment because she, I told her not to quit her last job and she did without having another job lined up. She has an apartment that's too expensive. And then she's always the victim like, oh, I need help. Like, you know, I can't pay my car off. Like all this, you know, it's like, I, I you know, it's hard. It's like, I don't want to make her not part of my life, but she just does all these things that are just. Why do you not want to make her not part of your life? I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm just curious what your reasoning is. Uh, it's like I do love her and like what do you love about her I know her? that she, I'm sorry what do you love about her I do kind of um well I do like aspects of her personality like she she can be kind of um really kind of fun goofy um person and um, we have similar interests. Like sometimes I'll go and do something with her, and we will, like you know, we'll have a ball, we'll have fun, we'll laugh. But, as long um, as there's no conflicts, right? Yeah, as long as you know, I didn't disagree with the flavor of ice cream she picked, or yeah, what, yeah, yeah. you know, as long as you serious. kind of cease to exist as a personality around her, you can get along, right? Yeah, because I'm not allowed to. Yeah, I mean, if I if I interject too much of um myself, it, you know, then. That I'm chastised, I'm punished. So that's not a relationship, right? That's not a relationship. Where you, where no. you can't show up, where you can't show up and there's just historical momentum. I mean, you're, you're, all you're doing is continuing the self-erasure of your childhood, right? I mean, I guess you haven't talked mm -hmm. to your mom about the same stuff you talked about with your dad. Is that right? Yeah, you can't because she's in... Sure you she's, can. She's in complete denial. Well, you, I mean, it wouldn't go, you know, it'd just be sure like it a... Would. It'd just sure be a it scream... No, no, you you can. Let's let's be let's be factual, right? You can, and and she can she can pull all the crazy stunts she wants, but that doesn't control what you do, right? Yeah, and you know it's sad. I mean, in so many ways, I think I've grown, and you know, I've talked to different therapists in the past, and a lot of them, you know, like I've worked through a lot, and they're like a lot of the things you do are actually modeling what you saw, and you know, but sometimes when I wish that I could be better about this, but she just hits that nerve and suddenly i am just you know it's like an out-of-body okay experience. okay listen i gotta i gotta be a little bit more upfront with you here and it's not like you haven't been upfront, but mm -hmm. i don't think you get the emergency here because you're kind of vacationing in this conversation a little bit like there's okay. some emotion to it but you're in what's called the defcon 4 right like you're in an emergency situation 90 percent mm -hmm. of your eggs are dead and you're screwing around with an abusive guy right Mm -hmm. Okay, so you need to get serious in this conversation. Mm -hmm. If if you want to get benefit out of it, I mean, you can hang up on me anytime, right? But you need to get very serious in this conversation. And you need to understand something very fundamental, that your relationship with your boyfriend, mm -hmm. he's boyfriend, right? That's not fiancé or, right? I don't even know what he is now. Well, he is, a boyfriend, is he though. having sex with you? 
Um, I mean, I we we were staying together for the quarantine until Wednesday when I abruptly decided that I needed to leave, and so he lives in another okay. state. So he's he's your boyfriend on a break. Is that right? I yeah, mean, I if you were totally broken up, right? I mean, it would be uh, my ex, right? Is it your ex? He has. He just always pops back, you know. Okay, so he's your boyfriend on a break. Yep. Okay, and he doesn't just pop back. You decide to have sex with him again. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't say to your mom and your dad, but they just don't take responsibility for their actions. And then, oh, this guy just pops in. He doesn't mm-hmm. pop in. You open the door and you open your legs. Come on. You are responsible for him being in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, let's just be frank about that, right? We're, we're adults. Yep. Okay, so what you need to understand is that, remember I was talking about the system, the system that keeps people in abusive relationships? You're in that system. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're calling me. Mm-hmm. So you got this thing like, oh, well, I like hanging out with my mom and we have some giggles and my dad has apologized. And it's like, I'm sorry. You need to understand they're keeping you there too. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you're kind of flippant about your relationship with your parents, what should be happening is your boyfriend on a break is in your life because of your history, because of your parents, and because of every single one of your current relationships. They're all a system that helps keep him in your bed and in your life and in your head. And when you are in an emergency, when you can see your future offspring drying up, Mm -hmm. or, God forbid, you have children with an abusive man, which will wreck your life completely. Trust me, I have seen it. I just lost a father who burned up a lot of his life in that situation. So you are in an emergency, and I feel like I'm the only one taking it seriously. You are in a desperate emergency, because if you lose the capacity to have children, Mm -hmm. because you waste your fucking time with this guy, then you are going to grow old alone. And you're a nine now? Well, welcome to the wall, my friend. You know all about it, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? You're going to get into your mid-30s, your late-30s, and the men are going to dry up. Why? Because the only reason they're attracted to you, the only reason we have sexual desire and physical attraction, is for the formation of families and the having of children. It doesn't mean that every time you bang, you've got to make kids, but that's what it's for. That's what it's for. And when you lose your eggs, when your face sags, your boobs sags, your butt sags, and there's no amount of exercise that can lift them back up again, then the men will dry up. And you may get some young men who will want to take you out for a spin, but as far as commitment goes, the commitment is for the children. You are just the mechanism. You're vehicle, right? I mean, you drive... Mm-hmm. You drive through a bridge under a river to get to the other side. You don't just go sit in the, you know, go camping in the bridge, right? And mm-hmm. there's a reason I'm using the tunnel analogy here, right? So sexuality, physical desire, is all about cementing the pair bond for the having of children. If we reproduced asexually, we would have no sexual desire. We'd have no sex drive. And men wouldn't be buying you drinks. They wouldn't be asking you out. So your desirability is founded upon your ability to provide a man with children. 
and that's not all your worth in life. And I, I, I get all of that. I mean, you have a career, you're an intelligent woman, you're a great conversationalist, so I'm not, I mean, it's not the sum total of who you are. Of course not. But that's why we have sexual desire. That's a basic biological fact, right? That's why you're mm -hmm. able to command attention from men, is because you have eggs in a genetically pleasing exterior, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're losing, like sand is running out here, right? Let's yeah. Say you break, let's, say you, let's say this guy doesn't, as you flippantly put it, pop back into your life, like you're just popcorn or something, right? Let's say that you end things with this guy. Well, you've got to figure out what the hell's going on. You've got a lot of work to do. It's probably going to be a year or two before you're emotionally available to date a healthy guy. Maybe. Maybe you can do it faster. I mean, with this show, maybe you can hit the gas. I don't know, right? But then you're in your mid-30s, right? Now, then you've got to go find a guy who's not too dissimilar in age, who is going to want you. With the clock running out, and now the guy who has money, who's got looks, who's got options, who's miraculously single in his 30s, who hasn't been snapped up and held by some other woman, is he going to want you, or is he going to want a woman who's 25 or 30? Most likely. Now, you will have the significant advantage of self-knowledge and, and maturity and wisdom, and that's, that's great. And that's not, nothing to be sneezed at at all, right? Mm-hmm. And my wife and I met when we were in our 30s, so obviously it's not impossible. But you're really starting to play the long odds, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. I, I really am. I think about it and get overwhelmed a lot, honestly. Well, you should be panicking, right? Yeah, I am panicking. Good, really good. Am. Okay, because if you're not no, panicking, I mean, then there's really not much point like, having the convo, right? You should, no, no, you I should be sound panicking. I like calm, you know, during, you know, but I, in reality, sometimes I'm kept up at night. Okay, this is not the conversation to hide yourself in. You've got all the other conversations in the world where you can pretend to be someone else or pretend to not be worried about things you're worried about. But I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Of course, you're like, oh, my God, what is going to happen? How am I going to? I mean, do you want kids? Do you want a family? Do you want to be a mom? Yeah. All right. Well, you got to stop fucking around then, right? Yeah. I mean, he promised so many times, you know, just, you know. No, no, no. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about this guy. I don't want to hear about this guy. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I really don't. He's not, not going to do it for you, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now is the time to panic. And mm -hmm. you are in the, in the presence of a superior, more invasive, more intrusive, more, quote, powerful will, you surrender, right? This guy doesn't just pop in. He gets horny, right? And you're like, mm. okay, all right. I guess, I, I guess it's, he's far away, so it's a little oh, come different, on. but without it's probably the, the same. Oh, come on, without the sex, if this, if this was a woman with this kind of personality, would you be best buds? No. Of course not. It's the sex, right? Yeah. Okay, so you, you got consumed by lust and history, and listen, we've all been there. I sympathize. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm certainly not criticizing. I'm just pointing out a basic fact, that mm -hmm. this guy makes you tingle in ways that make your eyeballs roll, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, that's a demon called lust. It's a sin, right? I mean, you yeah. raised a Catholic. This is not, I'm not saying you are now, but you, you've certainly raised, you understand the concept, right? Yeah. Okay. So you've got to grit your teeth, you've got to cross your legs, because this guy's robbing you of your future. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, and you, you are robbing yourself of your future by complying with his needs mm. and his preferences and the most shallow manipulation of lust, right? And it makes me lose respect for myself, too. Well, sure, of course, right? Because you're, you're operating at the mammal level, right? Which is 
compliance and and lust and right you're not using your soul your higher faculties your nature or god-given reason right mm -hmm. right okay so good so the reason i'm saying all of that is that i if i were in your shoes this is what i would do i would say in this emergency everyone who supported me wasting close to half a decade with this asshole is expendable everyone who enabled this half decade near half decade disaster must be closely examined as to their utility in my life all of my friends did say they hated him to be honest okay and what about your parents um i was too at a certain point it's too almost humiliating to you know tell certain people divulge certain details but um my mom does not like him she's you know an abusive person and my dad doesn't know why i think he can kind of but no they should know something they should know yeah. that you're humiliated right yeah i mean they're your parents if they don't know mm -hmm. you then I don't know what they've been doing for the last 30 years. Yeah, my years, dad right? knows something's wrong. He knows there's something, you know, but I haven't just said anything. No, but four years, four goddamn mm -hmm. years. How many people have sat you down like, seriously, this is bad for you? Like, we need an intervention. We need to sit down and rescue this, rescue you from this satyr, this, this golem, this, right, dude. A couple of my friends have done that. Okay, and um, why didn't you listen? I guess that um, it was just so hard for me to believe that someone really can be evil. Like, you know, it's like, you know, evil exists. Oh, is that what they called him? Um, well, they've called him things like a monster and things like that. Um, okay, so you don't believe in evil? I don't. Oh, okay, because you're still I do. with your parents, it's right? It's just it was so hard to either believe that he is evil or that I would allow myself to be um, overtaken by an evil person, um, that there has to be something good that, you know, I just haven't pulled out. I don't know. It's it's not like good reasoning, but that was the reasoning. Like, no, if only I do something different, He, you know, that everything will be like happy ever after if only you know <sighs> and what happened to your relationship with your friends after they called the man you love a monster um they said that you know they care about me and they love me but um you know i just don't really want to hear about the shit anymore um and then one of my friends uh she hasn't talked to me in like a month or more when she found out I was going to stay with him last month. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, kudos to her. She's a good friend. Mm -hmm. Because she's saying, I'm not going to participate in a friendship with you if you're acting in this self-destructive manner, right? Yeah. She right. did say, I wish I could talk some sense into you, blah, blah, blah. And she wasn't totally a bitch, but she hasn't reached out to me or anything. She since. wasn't totally a bitch? Well, I mean, I think that she was like... Not uh, rude, and just said what she needed to say. I guess is what I mean. She was just, you know, she like, wasn't I was totally a bitch. Oh my God, where are your values, woman? She's really trying to help you. She's trying to save you, and you're saying, oh, well, "Well, she's not totally a bitch." No, I mean that. I guess I mean the way that she spoke to me was um, not a like berating 
kind of manner if if that's if that okay i'm gonna have to let i have to let that one drop because we've got bigger fish to fry but you know calling somebody who's desperately trying to help you and willing to end the friendship if you won't listen to reason calling them not totally a bitch is not the right way to oh to look i at guess it. i I guess I mean she was pleasant or you know polite. No, no, no. I, 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 I guess I said I'm sorry. I, I brought it up again. So let's move on. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So what happens? What happens if you just end it with this guy because he's abusive, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have to look at all of your relationships that enabled that. Like I've said this before on this show, I almost married the wrong woman. I had the ring. I proposed, I almost married, like, desperately the wrong woman, right? And when Mm -hmm. I woke up to that shit and got the hell out, I had to look at everything. Like, how the hell are the people who claim to love me letting me walk into this viper's nest? You understand? It's not about you and the guy. It's about you and everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's why you don't want to judge everyone in your life, so you can't judge this guy. He's a symptom. He's not, he's not the cause. Hello? Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, s- sorry. People who love you don't let you get sucked into this kind of abusive relationship. Now, you could say, well, they can't force me what to do. Well, of course they can't. Of course they can't. But they can lay it on the line for you. I mean, if your entire social circle, when you started dating this guy four years ago, found out about him and said, nope, no, 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 no. And they sit down and they talk with him and they try and figure him out. Or they invite you all over for dinner and they figure out how he behaves. And then they record it. They play it back to you. They then delete it. They, right, you understand that they, they do everything they can to make sure that you wake up to the danger you're sailing towards. Why? Because yeah. None of them have met him either. Right, so how much do they actually care about you if they're willing to just sit idly by and watch you burn close to half a decade with a jerk and not, like, what are they so busy with? And, and not reach out to help you. Because I'm, I'm trying to get you to shift your expectations of what it means to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Can, you well, imagine, um, can you imagine if my daughter starts dating an abusive guy? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Well, the answer is everything in my power. Mm-hmm. And like, that's all I will be doing until it's sorted out. Well, they all, I mean, they all did say that they didn't like him. They didn't like what was happening and they didn't approve. But there was an intermission. I mean, I... I they didn't mentally... do enough. That's what I'm asking you to raise your standards. Or to raise well, your they... expectations of what it means to be in a relationship. Does it make a difference that the relationship wasn't a continuous four years with their behavior? No, it doesn't. That makes it even worse. Because the on-again, off-again shit is just complete time suicide. Mm-hmm. It's a whirlpool of years. just sucks them down for nothing. Okay, let me ask you this question. You and I have been chatting now mm-hmm. for an hour and a half, right? Wow. An hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't even know you. Mm-hmm. And I'm fighting like hell here for an hour and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to try and tell me that no one in your life over the last four years had a fucking hour and a half to sit down and talk to you about this stuff? 
they did. In the way that I am. They, they, I, I have had friends uh, talk with me for extended periods of time about it. What about your parents? Um, no. Why are they too busy? They just uh, got no time. Um, I, I guess I haven't tried to. I don't. No, I've no, no, really... not you trying. Them trying. I, I guess I haven't really divulged information. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop letting them off the hook. They have the time. They but know they... that you're in your early 30s and you're not married. Uh -huh. And you've no intention of getting married to this guy, at least I hope. Mm -mm. Right? So they knew this going on for four years, right? What the hell are they doing that they're so busy that they can't take a couple of hours and really sit down and work through it? because they love you and say, oh, well, it might be difficult for us. Maybe we'll, we'll find out that we had some contribution factor to this, this dysfunctional relationship because we had a, you had a dysfunctional. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. The point is, do they love you enough to do what's uncomfortable? Because if people don't love you enough to do what's uncomfortable, they don't love you at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, your friend who hasn't spoken to you in a, in a month, good mm -hmm. friend. Would have been a better mm -hmm. friend four years ago. Yeah. Everyone's in the gang. As I said earlier, everyone's in the gang mm -hmm. of not intervening to save you. This is wrecking your heart. This is wrecking your marriage prospects. This is wrecking your fertility window. This has the great potential to ruin your life. That's why I'm saying it's time to panic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. And how many people, how many people that just sit by, you know, lift a finger here, there, mention things here, there, oh, he's a monster, or you should leave him, this, but not getting off their asses, driving over, sitting down, and doing whatever it takes to help you. Yeah. One thing I know about people who've called me is they've gone through everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you know what it's like to have someone truly care about you. I'm not sure that I do. Right. And that's why I'm saying all relationships must be in question because everything has contributed to these four years. Everything and everyone. You know, if, if you were drowning and I was sailing by in a boat and I said, oh, you should swim. You know, drowning is bad. And I kept on sailing. Would people say, wow, that guy really worked hard to save her? No. No. You throw a ring. You stop your boat. You dive in. You do whatever it takes to save the person who's drowning. And that's what I mean by you've got to adjust your standards. Mm -hmm. the conversation to have with your parents is how on earth did you let this go on for so long? And I know what they're going to do, right? Let's do it with your mom. You role-play your mom, all right? Okay. All right, you know these things, right? Okay, so you role-play your mom, and I drive over you as you, and I say, Mom, like, what the heck? I've been bouncing around this dangerous guy for four years. You, did you not notice? Did you not care? Like, what's going on? 
Um, she would say that she didn't want to upset me. That she was afraid of how I would react and that I would yell at her. Well, I mean, when I was a kid, when I was younger, you didn't mind upsetting me. You know, when I ask you something and you get mad at me, you sure as hell didn't mind upsetting me. So let's let's throw aside this principle that you as my mom are so desperately afraid of upsetting me. You upset me all the time, sometimes unjustly. So let's throw that aside as that's not the real answer. And let's try that again. Why didn't you sit down and really work to try and help me? I th- it's like I think I know, but I'm I'm not totally sure how to um, put it into words. It's more related to her being her first priority at all times. Well, I can yeah. I mean, listen, I can I can tell you what she would say if she was totally honest. Mm. What she'd say is she'd say, "Well, honey, I'm happy with you being with a dysfunctional man because a dysfunctional man will never threaten your relationship with me. But if you're with a healthy functional man, your relationship with me might come into question. Like a functional healthy man is going to see me for exactly who I am. And he's not going to want me around his kids and he's probably not going to want me around you. So yeah, it's fucking fine with me if you hang around with some dysfunctional loser because he's never, he's never going to call me by my proper name. He's never going to turn the light on and see me for who I am because he's, you know, we're part of the gang, part of the criminal gang. We got the secret thieves can't handshake. We're good to go, man. We see each other. We recognize each other. You know, if I'm at the store using counterfeit money and there's a guy next to me with counterfeit money, we're not going to point out that it's counterfeit money. <laughs> we're, we're the same gang. We're criminals. Right? So yeah. with this guy, why the hell would I, why would I want you to dump a guy who's on the same team as me so that you can start dating a guy who's going to say, your mom is a pretty terrible human being. Like, why, why, how would that serve my needs in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. You're being used by everyone. Yeah. You see? Mm hmm. And that's what I mean when I say the glibness around your relationship with your parents is dangerous, in my opinion. I think you need to sit down and talk to them about, like, what the hell? Yeah, um, I, I agree with that, though. I do feel that there would probably never be an honest dialogue um, when it comes to my mom because she's incapable of uh, accepting her behavior. She has Is actually... She inve- I get it, I get it, I know. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've got to be efficient here, right? Mm-hmm. Is she invested in your success in love or your failure in love? What benefits her the most? Um, my failure in everything benefits her the most. Um, okay, so what are you talking about? Well, sometimes we hang out and we have fun together. When she is mm-hmm. invested in your failure, she only wins if you lose. How can you succeed? When your primary caregiver, the woman who birthed you, only wins when you lose. If you meet a healthy guy, she's going to sabotage, she's going to blow it up, she's going to confront him, she's going to dis- make you dysfunctional, she's going to, you understand, she's going to wreck it. Mm-hmm. And we know that because she didn't wreck this, right? Yeah, I mean, if I were in her position, I wouldn't be dropping my daughter off at the airport, you know, to Oh, to go, go. visit this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got to understand, she wins when you lose. 
It's yeah. the same thing with your dad. He either doesn't notice that you've been unhappy, which is really terrifying, and I don't think even remotely true, or he notices, doesn't care, which I think is also we can't not care about immediate family members. They always affect us. Or he notices and he's fine with it. In fact, it's good for him in some manner, right? Because hmm. a functional guy, look, I'm a functional guy, right? So let's say you and I went out on a date, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, after a date or two, I ask you, I mean, on the first date, I'd ask you about your childhood because, you know, life is short and I want to waste time and money. And uh, you're like, oh, yeah, my dad uh, put me in the hospital. What would I say? Uh, I would hope that you would be sympathetic, but I don't know what, you know, it looked pretty bad to tell someone Do you that. think I could go up and shake the hands of a man who virtually knocked my girlfriend's head off when she was 11? No. You see what I'm saying? You see yeah. how a functional guy does not help them continue to gain resources from you. Because I'd say, holy shit, they beat you half to death, they dragged you off to hospital, and then they made you lie about it. So they're criminals who intimidated a child witness. And the only way that that, to me, could be survivable from a moral standpoint is if they said, holy shit, is that ever a wake-up call for the dysfunction in this family? You know, I just half beat my child to death. So I'm going to go to anger management. I'm going to go to therapy. We're going to... We're going to dig deep and we're going to sort this out because this can never happen again. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do that, did they? Cover up and move yeah. on. Bury the bodies yeah. and move houses, right? No confession, mm -hmm. no absolution, no redemption. And they are like the worst Catholics in the known universe. <laughs> no, and I mean, no, I mean, I mean that really seriously, although it does, I get it. It does sound a little funny. Yeah. But Jesus, first of all, Jesus says, whatever you do to the least... Among you, so do you also do to me. Uh-huh. And I doubt they very much went up and half-punched the priest to death, right? Or Jesus, if he was there, or this, the, the crucifix. And mm -hmm. he also says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Yeah. So this Catholicism, thou shalt not bear false witness. And... They lied, and they made you lie about a crime that they had committed. And you understand that's worse than them beating up a stranger because it was you and you were a child. So your dad, I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this. Like, a different angle, you could have lost an eye. You could have mm -hmm. had severe brain damage. You could have been killed. Yeah, I, I never really thought about that. I could have been, it's true, though. I mean, that kind of blunt force to the... Oh, yeah. I know, because, I mean, as I said before, like, I was three or four and tried to run away from home. And I mean, my mom was beating me up against a metal door. I had to go completely <laughs> limp. I mean, just had to go completely limp because, I mean, I could have been brain dead. She was just banging my head repeatedly against this door. You have to go completely limp in those situations. You have to, si you have to signal complete submission. And then you're living with people who are unrepentant child beaters. Because my mom also didn't say, oh, my God, what have I done? I've got to get this sorted out. I've got to get my temper under control. I've got to, you know, I'm not going to the cops because, you know, it doesn't do me any good if I get taken away from the family. But I'm going to absolutely commit that this never, ever happens again. 
She didn't do that. Yeah, there were words, but there was no action behind Oh, it yeah, they're to... sorry and bursting into tears, but there's yeah. never, oh, my God, right? And like, listen, our whole family needs to go to counseling immediately, like, you know. Of like course, that, yeah, I got, I got it, or, you know, I got I to gotta go and consult with a psychiatrist and say, well, psychologist, mm -hmm. how do I deal with, I got to pick up a book on anger management, I got to pick up a book on peaceful parenting, I got to pick up mm -hmm. a book called, like, there's tons of books out there on how to not get angry and beat your kids. I mean, this is not a weird thing, right? This is not like some unknown thing that like, oh, in 1700, you got to know all about peaceful parenting. I mean, this has been around since at least the end of the Second World War. So 70, 80 years, this mm -hmm. stuff has been floating around. Alternatives to hitting, alternatives to violence within the home. Plus, it's completely fucking illegal to beat your child yeah. that way. I mean, that is, that is assault upon a minor. That is like grievous bodily harm. That I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, right? But it's just like, I mean, that's, that's like go to jail stuff right there. Oh, yeah. So they knew that they'd done egregious wrong. And uh, they just made you lie, covered it up, and went on and continued doing their shitty things, right? Mm-hmm. Your dad hit you even after this with the tent pole. Mm -hmm. Again, I know it wasn't the same severity, but, you know, nonetheless, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, if they had sorted it out, they might not have been divorced, right? If they had sorted that out, your mom might have grown up. If they had sorted that out, then she might not be in the situation that she's in. And of course, if they had sorted that out, then your father wouldn't have had this loser non-career stuff, right? I think it would have, yeah, I think it would have made them stronger as people and they would have had to accept responsibility and, you know, stop living in excuses, lies. It would have changed their lives. It yeah. would have changed their lives very much for the better. And instead now, they just continued to spiral down. Your mother now into this ridiculous state of mind and your father into continual failure at work and all of that. And, and you're the one who has to try and bring this healing to the family when you're in your 30s. And no, 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 no. It's not your job. It's yeah. not your job. So I just need you to understand mm -hmm. what it means to have a healthy, functioning person in your life who genuinely cares about you. And I'm telling you, if you can imagine having an 11-year-old daughter and some babysitter punches her so hard she goes to hospital, have to have x-rays and might have lost an eye, and you're like, no, I'm still good friends with that babysitter. Like, you understand, that would be mental, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, if and, they didn't try to get any help or get through it yeah, and yeah, repair... Which they haven't. So yeah. here's, what, here's what you need to see from a healthy man's perspective. This is what you need to see. A healthy man is going to look at this situation and he's going to say, so this lovely woman, and you are a lovely woman, you're a wonderful woman, you're a smart woman, you're an attractive woman, you're a wise woman in many ways. You listen to this show, I grant you massive props and kudos. A functional man, a healthy man, is going to look at this and say, is this woman going to expect me to break bread for the next 20 or 30 years with a man who beat her half to death when she was a child? And what, are the, what, what kind of fun am I going to have when we have kids? And she's like, I'd love grand, my granddad to come. I'm always worried about my mom around my children. Well, you got a good reason to be worried about both of them. Yeah. And then I'm he's going to say, yeah, then he's going to say, oh, so I can descend into this underworld of people who committed egregious, violent, criminal acts against children, and that's going to be my future? Like, I'm sorry, there's nobody that pretty. There's nobody that attractive. There's nobody that 
great a conversation that you're going to invite a guy into this underworld and he's going to be like, yay, can't wait to spend the next 30 years hanging out with these people. How, how do you bring up, like, um, without, you know, how do you bring these kinds of things up with a person, you know, like, these are the things, I mean, do you air it all out at the, like, you know, like, these are the things that have happened to me? Well, if you air it out saying, these, these are your permanent in-laws, well, he's just going to go. Well, he's not going to um, stick around. I'm just, I'm telling you the choices and the consequences. You can have your parents or you can have a healthy man as it stands. Well, you can't have um, both. Is, is it possible? I'm definitely listening. This is like a serious um, question. Is it possible to have a like distant relationship with they are not in, you know, like if I lived in a different state, is it possible to have a distant relationship with your parents and not have them in your immediate life and still have a healthy life i don't know you know that's like i don't know i don't want them in my immediate life i don't know and i couldn't do it Mm -hmm. and i tried Mm -hmm. i tried for decades and i'm i'm a pretty resourceful guy and i tried i couldn't do it and i don't know anyone who's been able to do it because your parents are going to get needier as they get older. They're going to mm-hmm. need, they're going to need, they're going to need. I'm already experiencing it. You're already experiencing it, right? That, that just mm-hmm. gets worse and it can go on for decades. And it probably It's like won't. I, sometimes in my mind, I feel like, does she want me to be a spinster is literally a thought that I've Of course had she does. On multiple occasions, you know. Yeah, you're like that Guatemalan youngest sister who never gets to leave home, right? Take care that's of the parents. That's how I've, yes, yeah, that yeah. is how I've felt. Of course she does. And that's why she's happy to have some asshole burn up your fertility window. Great. Then she doesn't have to worry about being alone when she gets older. Because her needs matter, your needs don't. I moved, um, you know, to a different state uh, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had been, you know, like, doing all right. um, You know, finding my way, finding what kind of career I want, you know. I was settled here. She followed me out four years after the fact and tried to just enmesh her, herself into my life and uh, sabotage me quite a bit. Yeah, and, and she will call you, and she will drop by, and she will, yeah, yeah, sure, sure she will, sure she will. You know, and there are periods of time where she lived here where I didn't speak to her for quite some time, um, just no contact with her, and then she, you know, would lie to all these mutual people and say what a horrible person, you know, not even taking responsibility for her actions or why I'm not speaking to her, you know? Of like, course not. I, you, you tell, you're like a broken record here. You're sorry. trying to convince me that your mom is not a great person. Trust me, that happened approximately 2.5 minutes into the conversation. Right. Right. I mean, I get that you need to have someone on your side and you need to tell. Sorry. I'm there. No, don't apologize. It's fine. I'm just pointing it out. I'm there. I'm with you. And that's your choice. Mm-hmm. You can either be a spinster and serve your monstrous mom's needs until she's dead and then be alone well you'll be alone either way right or you can have real conversations with your parents try and break through to them try and figure things out Mm -hmm. and if they won't admit truth if they won't accept responsibility i'm just telling you my particular choice Mm -hmm. in that situation was like yeah sorry you guys had your life you had your family you had your children i'm sorry i've got to look out for me now 
I'm not going to be a shadow cast by your dysfunction. Mm-hmm. A ghost That's... chained to history for the rest of my fucking life. I'm sorry. Like, you guys had your mm-hmm. shot. You had your chance. I gave you really good opportunities to, to improve the relationship. But mm-hmm. if you don't want to, if you don't want to. That, that strategy really does, like, because I was wondering, like, how, you know, what, but that really does give me uh, a game plan. I'm going to start seeing therapist on Tuesday anyway. So, I mean, I, I would probably need to honestly have a moderator. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. It's great. But you also do want to talk to the therapist and what's your view about um, voluntarism in abusive parental relations? Because a lot of therapists, a lot of therapists are in the gang. Right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of therap no, a lot of therapists are like heard you back, man. A lot I've of therapists is like or... you can't leave. Yeah, you got you got to watch out. Hey, are you in the gang? Are yeah, you gonna I did try and hurt me gang. back. Yeah, he was like, "Why yeah. don't you just send her a Mother's Day card?" And I'm like, "Because I fucking don't want to." Right. Um. So yeah, you're right. They are because it's yeah, illegal to mail what I want to mail through. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, so you got to you got no, you got to check that. You got to check that cuz you know there's a whole bunch of social institutions designed to keep adult children glued to relentlessly dysfunctional and abusive parents. And the reasons mm-hmm. for all of that we don't have to go into in particular, but it's just something to be alert to. Alert to, mm-hmm. but um if if your parents are just going to be unrelie- un- uh, unredeemingly horrible to any manifestation of your actual personality and your actual values, then they are going to be a big firing moat that no decent guy is going to want to cross. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I'm yeah. t- telling you this from experience. Like, <laughs> I had these, I had pretty good relationships with women when I was younger. I was, a, I was a pretty good boyfriend. There's certainly things that I did that weren't great, but I was a pretty good boyfriend. But I just could never get these women to commit to me. Mm-hmm. And now I get it. Hey, let's have lunch with mom. <laughs> I mean, who really wants to deal with that? You know, I've, I've, I've thought that too. And I've, I never really want to, I've never wanted to introduce anyone. I'm because it's just like, yeah, forget it. I mean, to be around her, you just have to do mental gymnastics on a good day to just like keep your brain straight to just, you know. Oh, a healthy guy would just be direct with your mom and she'd hit the roof and then he'd say, well, you got a choice to make. Her or me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not spending 30 years with this narcissistic, neurotic, whatever, whatever, right? Like, no way. And I'm not exposing my kids to that. Like, sorry. Yeah, and I, I really have, even myself, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do when I have children? You know, I, I, right. I'll, that, when that happens, they'll cross that bridge, whatever, talk to a therapist about it. Well, you've it, always, that's what I mean. So you've been avoiding all of this stuff by burning up your fertility window, and part of that's mm-hmm. your parents' desire, and part of that's your desire to just avoid these topics. But this is yep. like, because you haven't had a healthy guy tell you this kind of stuff, right? Here's the other mm-hmm. thing, too, you've got to think about. If you have an unhealthy guy that you end up getting locked into, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to have really screwed up parents, too, right? So then instead of mm-hmm. two, how many do you have? Four. You get double the fun for the next 30 years. And probably crazy grandparents, too. Absolutely. You get, you multiply, you know? It's like, it's like feeding the virus. It splits. It multiplies, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's true. So now you understand when you're talking about all the fun you have with your parents, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not saying you don't. But if you're in panic mode, which you should be, it's time to look at mm-hmm. the big picture. And you've got to look at yourself as the kind of guy that you want to have is going to look at you. 
Mm-hmm. Like you want a guy who's stable, who's honest, who's reliable, who's intelligent, who's perceptive, who's courageous, who's assertive. You want all of these things, right? Of course you do. Mm-hmm. But then he's in full-on collision course with your parents. And when I am in contact with my mother, even if it's brief, I do notice a, a huge change in um, like my mental well-being. I almost turn into a different... I like lose part of myself or something. You know, I'm unhealthy when I'm around. Yep. I certainly remember a girlfriend that I had, and every time we'd be with her parents, it would take her like a week to get back to normal. Yep. Yes. It, and my friends might just sometimes notice, they're like, were you around your mom recently? Right. You know, so no. So why would a guy want to get into a relationship with a woman where one phone call costs him his girlfriend or his wife or the mother of his children for like a week? Someone's got a remote control detonate female button, right? Yep. No, thanks. A <laughs> little bit out of my control. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'd rather somebody who is steady and stable and reliable. Any more than you want a guy who becomes emotionally unavailable, distant and irritable, and, and you got to walk in eggshells like every time he gets a phone call from his mom or from his dad, you'd be like, mm. mm-hmm. so I'm not really in control in this relationship. There's some remote control detonation going on here, and i got nothing to say about it. i just mm-hmm. got to try and survive it. Like, why would you want that? Yeah. yeah I love I mean... you, and there are people who can harm you with a phone call or a text or an email. Oh, I just don't yeah. want, you know, the more you care about someone, the more it hurts you when someone hurts them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I just have to, I think that I'll just have to go to, um, you know, find the correct type of therapist, professional to talk about and, you know, just come up with a plan to confront my parents. And then, you know, it's like you kind of have, I guess, take it one step at a time, but it, it is a crisis. And it is, you don't have much time. No, I don't. You I mean, don't that's have much time. why I, you know, that's why I um, contacted you because I know it's an emergency. So how do you say it? That was your big question, right? How do you say it? Well, it's a whole lot easier to say. And listen, whether you stay around your parents or you don't stay around your parents, that's your choice, right? I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't tell people what to do, but I will certainly tell you my experience that saying, you know, when a, a date after I'd left my mom and a date would say, well, what's your relationship like with your parents? What's your relationship with your mom? I'm like, yeah, you know, my mom was, uh, was very dysfunctional. My mom was uh, violent and so on. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tried to talk about it with her. I tried to reason it out with her. Um, she absolutely refuses to take any responsibility. And, you know, she continues to be a very toxic person. So, you know, sad to say, I don't see her anymore. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. so the woman, of course, then hears, okay, uh, so, yeah, he's had some issues. But, man, it sounds like he's been really proactive in dealing with them. He hasn't just stormed out of a relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, he'll sit there and try and reason about it and so on. But the guy's got enough fucking pride to not spend of his life under his mama's thumb if she's a mean bitch, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and you're not just saying, I hate them or like making yourself... Oh, yeah, yourself, yeah. You know, I don't, listen, like I, don't, I don't hate my mother. I don't hate my, my father. I shouldn't laugh about this because, you know, it's not like something that you snap your fingers and achieve. Right. I don't, I don't hate them because in many ways they've taught me to be a better person. And mm-hmm. I think, it, like once you recognize how much life punishes. I mean, your mom's going through it. Your dad will go through it. I mean, how much life punishes the wrongdoers, especially mm-hmm. if we stop enabling and supporting them? Your, look, your parents, how much they suffer. I mean, you don't, you don't need to hate. I mean, it's easier to hate people who get away with stuff. But once, once they get caught by their conscience and uh, get ground down and suffer, I mean, 
you don't it, you don't need to add fuel to the fire, so to speak, right? The other mm -hmm. thing, too, is that by continuing to enable your parents' bad behavior, you're denying them their only chance of the kind of shock that might help them really change and grow before they die. Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not helping them. You're not helping them. This is not a loving action to comply with narcissistic, selfish demands on behalf mm -hmm. of people, right? You're not helping them. You're enabling the worst aspects of their behavior. And I think it's important to care for your parents to stop enabling this bad behavior. Like, the... The woman who's married to an alcoholic, she's not helping him by buying him alcohol. She's denying mm -hmm. him the chance to get clean, to get sober, right? And mm -hmm. so love is not always about making people feel good. Obviously, you know that, right? But mm -hmm. um, you're not helping them. This is not love. This is not being a good daughter. This is not at all being a good daughter. This is enabling the worst aspects of the behavior and trapping them into what works for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it adds to their delusion, you know, I guess in my mom's case, it, you know, completely adds to her delusion of being a good mother, which is crazy to think that, you know, like, if, if I hang, you know, hang out with her, and she does something she's perceiving as helping me, then it just, you know, it boosts her fake narrative of what's yeah. happening, you know? Yeah, it, it's not helping anyone. It's just appeasing in the short run. And listen, I totally sympathize with why you're doing it. And, mm -hmm. but, you know, I don't want you to just automatically assume that if, Let's say you take a break from your parents and they're really upset. Like, okay, that's not going to kill them. And it's not being a good person to not upset bad people. It actually helps them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And if your dad said it hurts me, he says, yeah, well, at least I'm not half beaten your death, am I? Yeah. Your mom says that hurts me. It's like, well... I'm sorry about that. And you are. I mean, of course you are, right? I'm sorry that my mom is living such a wretched life. I'm sorry that my dad had such a difficult life. I'm sorry about that. I really am. I mean, I wish they had made better choices. Mm -hmm. But they made the choices that I made. And they had their lives. And it was time for me to take up the reins on my own horse. It is, yeah, it is different to put yourself um, in a, you know, in a position from just, to, from being the adult child. And, you know, it's like, well, what the hell were they, what the hell were they doing? What do you mean? Like, what the hell were they doing? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Like, you know, like they could have, they could have done all these things. It's like, you know, thinking it like when you're a child and you're in the moment, it's like, you're not thinking like, well, why aren't they getting therapy or why haven't they done of this? Course. Or, yeah. you know, and now it's just when you, I really look at it in a, you know, different kind of perspective, it's just like, well, what the hell were they doing? Yeah. So it's one thing to say to your child, you have to lie to the doctor. Uh, because because we don't want to go to jail and we desperately want to have this never happen again and we're going to do everything we can to make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay, so then, you know, that terrible crime turned out to be a turning point for the family and it's not like you, I mean, you can forgive, doesn't mean you forget, right? And that could mm -hmm. have been a real turning point. You can say, well, I'm sorry that my nose and my sinuses had to be half wrecked uh, because of this, but at least this positive thing came out of it, right? But... You see, they wanted you to cover up the crime so that they could continue in their bad behavior. And that is the real crime. Yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this for quite some time. And it's just the, how sick it is, is really just, it's disturbing. It is disturbing. Instead and... of taking responsibility, they, they, you know, I have, they did that to me. You know, I, I guess I didn't think about it in that specific light. You know, I knew it was wrong that that happened, but, you know, I guess I didn't entertain, like, these other types of uh, aspects of the incident. 
Well, here's here's just a little tip, right? Just a little tip. So I once uh, dated uh, a woman, and she heard that a couple that I knew that the woman had had an affair. And, oh gosh, this is a long time ago. And I said, uh, oh, they've invited us over dinner. Do you know what she said? No. I'm not going. Are you crazy? I said, what are you talking about? She said, I can't sit down across the table and break bread with a woman who had an affair on her husband. And to me, this sounded like, you know, the Scarlet Letter and Nathaniel Hawthorne. It sounded like all kinds of like, oh, shame, shame, you know, like, the, but I was like, mm -hmm. I really thought about that for a long time. If that woman hadn't moved away, I'm, you know, my life. Would, but I remember thinking about that, like, holy crap. I mean, it sounds kind of medieval, but in a way, it's pretty powerful. Well, you're part of the gang. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's a fine line because you don't want to, you know, be holier than thou, but in, in certain times... No, you kind of do. No, you kind of do want to be holier than thou if thou is demonic. That, yeah, that's, that's a good point. You <laughs> yeah. kind of do. I, I mean, mean, you I don't want to be holier than person. Jesus, but you want to be holier than, I don't know, Judas. Yeah. Yeah, you're just, you're part of the gang. It's just... You're part of the collusion. Yeah, and I was like, it never crossed my mind. Seriously. I mean, you know, I... There's a reason I became a moralist, because I had a little trouble with the concept. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that was like a wild, wild thing. I remember thinking about that. Like, and part of me wanted to be like, oh, you know, be such a square. And the other part of me was like, actually, that is, that's a powerful thing to do. Yeah, and that's, and how, that's how society strong. used to deal. That's how society used to deal with this kind of stuff. Like, if some guy abandoned his family or some woman abandoned her family, you know, for some stupid affair or whatever like yeah never be invited back into polite society done i i believe that in um the early days of the church prior maybe to the split they actually had to say their confessions out loud right to the to the camp right <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely and there would be people who were like nope i mean this is the whole plot of king lear right and one one guy has a bastard and uh you know the, the whole thing kind of hinges on that the fact that he doesn't have any legal status, he can't inherit the land, and, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's how, that's how stuff used to work, and it actually worked pretty well, because families mm -hmm. stayed together, and people didn't have as many problems, I mean, there were other problems, don't get me wrong, but uh, as far as that went, you know, family stability was, was way better, and uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, so it's a, look at dating you from a guy who really loves you, and I'm telling you, man, you and I were dating, I ain't breaking bread with a guy who have killed you as a kid. Like, I'm just not going to fucking do it. No way. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to sit there and smile and glad hand this guy. First thing I'm going to say is, so tell me how you cold cocked the love of my life when she was 11. Let's step through that shit. Because, man, if I'm going to have kids with her, I need to know what the hell the lay of the land is. Um... So this is kind of, I don't know if um, maybe you have. Wait, explained. sorry. Hold your thought oh, for a sec. Okay. Just oh, sorry. Ahead, I, sure. not, not your fault at all. And then I sit down with your mom and say, wait, so you can't have forced the love of my life to lie after your husband half beat her to death? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that because uh, I'm having trouble processing why on earth I should get involved with this family at all. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, go on with your thought. 
if um well how do, oh geez how do i explain what i just um like obviously you have to be honest and a normal moral person would recognize these things as being um acts of evil or whatever you want to call it no acts of evil yeah acts of evil yeah, yeah it's fine. um if is it possible if i mean if they were able to confront the behavior from the abuser and the abuser was able to have an open dialogue do you think that any kind of progress would be able to um happen like if i were to marry a guy and you know, really love and would want to you know introduce my dad if my dad were able to own up to his behavior would do you think that would make any kind of difference i'm not no, saying because have this, it's, like, no no because <laughs> Because it's too late. Uh-huh. Because the cover-up happened over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, it doesn't matter if you confess when you're caught. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do it out of love for you. He didn't do it out of remorse. He didn't do it out of... I mean, look, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, your dad thinks about that all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the continual lie has occurred... 24 7, 365, 21 years, right? Mm hmm. Give or take, right? And so this lie, this cheat, right? Because they still want to be best buds with you. They still want resources from you, but they don't want to confess to the crimes that they committed against you. Mm hmm. So let's say that your dad is like, oh, yeah, no, let's talk about it. My question then would be, like, where the hell was this for the last 21 fucking years? Yeah. Like, why would you talk about it with me, her boyfriend, and not her for 21 years? And it'd be like, okay, so you don't have an inner conscience that says that you have to deal with this. And why? Because you got away with it for 21 years. And that's the kind of person you are, that if you can get away with it, you bloody well will. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't bother you enough to do anything about it. It doesn't torture you. It doesn't racket your conscience it doesn't right yeah yeah i mean i'm not getting involved with somebody who doesn't have an immoral sense who can who will just do whatever he can lie cheat steal beat and then he'll have a quote reasonable conversation about it over 20 years later if someone brings it up but he doesn't bring it up doesn't trouble him enough nope sorry because if you'll just do whatever the hell you can get away with, including violence against children, and you're fine with it, I can't have you around my kids. Now, if I can't have you around my kids, and you beat up my wife when she was a kid, and you kind of mess her up when she's around, like, I don't see, like, I just, from the outside, do you understand? From the, from the boyfriend, from the fiancé, from the husband's standpoint, what is the plus in having your parents around? They're, I mean, they're after is none. Well, there's no history for them. They're just coming in, bungeeing in, and judging things objectively. And saying, listen, this is a guy thing, right? I gotta protect my family. I gotta protect my kids. I gotta protect my wife. I am the guardian, right? I mean, the women, mm -hmm. the women in the pride, the female lions in the pride go out and get the food, and the male lion is patrolling the perimeter, making sure no other lions come in to attack them, right? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, the men's job, provide and protect, right? So he wants to protect his family, right? First thing he's going to do is come in and say, okay, who's dangerous to my family? Okay, well, this guy, these, these two people beat up a child and covered it up for over 20 years. 
that is not yeah. people who can be safe around my family. Sorry. Like, I don't have any sentimental attachment to you. You're just two old people. Yeah. It's just very, um, what's the word? Um, uh, I can't think of the word at the moment, but to just hear the objective um, truth of what happened sure. is just, it's a little, it's kind of shocking. It is. It is. You know, it's like that, that act, what you just said, did that happen? You know, yeah. and it's just, I'm like. The more he loves you, the more he's going to dislike the people who beat you up, made you lie about it, and continued to lie about it for 21 years, straight years, with no end in sight. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. Nope, so, nope, nope. A lot about, a lot of this is finding a quick and effective way to navigate a relationship or a non-relationship with my parents to have the life that I want to live. Yes. And I mean, it doesn't, I mean, if you, if you, if you want to get the true equation, the equation is what's best for your children of the future. Not right? to what's be best around for your those children? fuckers. Yeah. Sorry, what's, what's, you know, don't listen, this is, I don't care about the swearing. <laughs> the top things we deal with here, like a cuss word or two is like the least important. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. It doesn't that's matter. Pretty... It's fine. No. So like, what would your, what would your children Want. What do your future children want? Would your future children want your on-again, off-again douchebag boyfriend as their dad? Nope. Do your future no. children want to be around a mom who's dissociated because her parents called or being around grandparents who might be ill-tempered or neurotic or needy or whiny or complaining or drawing attention away from the children towards themselves or like all this? Like, what do they want? No. Mm -hmm. They don't want any of that. And they don't have the sentimental attachment that you have. And it's their choice because the whole... If you want to have kids, man, you design your life around your children's needs, right? You date like your future children have the deciding vote. Mm -hmm. Well, she's hot. Yeah, but she's kind of crazy. Not you. I'm just some woman, right? She's hot. She's kind of mm -hmm. crazy. It's like, do your future children care how hot their mom is when they wake up with colic in the middle of the night? They really don't care at all. They care how big her heart is, how patient she is, how loving she is, how tenderhearted, and how strong she is. They care how devoted she is to them. That's who they care. That, and, and you've got to look for, because if you want to have kids, you want to have a happy life, you date as if your future children get the deciding vote. Wow. You know, I have, in a way, thought along, you know, that mindset, like, I'm thinking for my children, but to just hear it like that, that's like, yeah. Um, you know, it, you have to think, yeah, it's, I never, I mean, I started to, go into that mindset of thought but when the way that you're explaining it really is um you can striking. get the uh you can get the free domain t-shirt which says i only put out for virtue <laughs> <laughs> right i might <laughs> yeah only virtue gets to flick the bean <laughs> <laughs> right that's i think that's got to be the plan right yeah and you know like i've it's funny, I don't know, I mean, it's not really relevant, but it's like the douchebag, he like, he feigns virtue, he feigns sure. all these things, and it's like, you're a fucking asshole, you're just, a, you know, and, you know, you always think, like, your family relationships are wrapped up in it, but it's like, after this, it's like, oh my god, I don't know, it's, it's, I, I needed to hear a lot of this shit. That's why you're calling. I, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I do. So, yeah, listen, was that, I mean, that's been a good, good over two hours but i mean we had a lot to chew through uh useful helpful will you let me know and will you let me know how how it goes 
Yeah, I will. And th- I thank you so much. And I was just shocked at how quickly, because it was an emergency. I mean, the breakup occurred less than a week ago. I yep. was just in um, like shock. I was in trauma, you know, like, and this is like unbelievable that this I had this opportunity. Well, I'm very, very glad that you called, and uh, I want to thank you. I do want to apologize to the other people. I'm not going to continue. I do have to have some food, and we've got another activity this afternoon with the uh, listener community. But um, listen, first of all, I'm so sorry for what happened. You you have my undying, enduring, and very deep sympathy for that. Secondly, great freaking job on the call. Man, you are fast. You are alert. You are uh, empathetic. You are deep uh, and a great conversationalist and, uh, you know, the guy who who snags you is going to is going to do very very well, and the children you're going to have are going to do very very well. You are the person who's going to break this cycle. In fact, you're already in the process of doing so. 